Hello there, and welcome to Stick Around. The podcast with a wonky nose, a crooked mouth, a double chin and stick out teeth. But we still look lovely. Sponsored by Drumpf Toupee Incorporated. Solid. Solid as a rock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've uh, sunk quite low there. I think that's possibly lower than Mugabe. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, Pretty much a shat on Trump's face there. uh, Genocidal maniacs, the both of them. How is everyone? Very well. Pretty good. Uh, Quite tired, actually, because it's you. Just got back from school, took took my shirt and tie off, got naked, and now I'm here. It's been a long Perfect. week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a long week, yeah. It sure has. Sure well, has. Well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great, guys. I'm going to put some enthusiasm out there for you to oh, sweet. pick up on. Uh, I feel enthusiastic. I just... I'm kind of yeah, doing your job at the moment, Clive. You know, why do you, what, what we're here for. Yeah, right. Well, this is Books, Episode 7. Welcome. Um, I'm here with, we've got a, uh, a streamlined crew today, we've got rid of the riffraff. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alex fuck Wayne. Him, fuck him, he's, in, he's having an amazing holiday, so, yeah, hi. Yeah, exactly. I'll abuse him all I like. Yeah. Uh, and Josh Keithley. Hello. Uh, also known as Half Marathon Expert. Run any half marathons recently, Josh? Any 10Ks? Uh, I'm running a 10K on Sunday. And oh. then following that, I'm running a half marathon. Ah, have you done have you done oh, a yeah. half marathon before? Yeah, uh, the Humber Bridge one, but this time I'm running in Lincoln. Right, okay. Lincoln half marathon. My- you should do the Lincoln 10K, which is a yeah one of the few 10Ks I did. And uh, I've done the Lincoln 10K. Did you realise where the finishing line was? Uh, yeah, it's like you turn around that corner and all of a sudden you're finished. Yeah, because I was racing it was when I was at school and I was against well it wasn't you know it wasn't just me and my teacher on but <laughs> it was me one of my teachers was running and I was uh, kicking his ass and then I thought that there was this thing that looked like the finish line so I sprinted like an absolute yeah. maniac got there and then uh, realised it wasn't there was still about 300 metres left and I was just like <laughs> absolutely screwed <laughs> so I was just oh, I yeah, couldn't I run anymore I enjoyed it though my friend uh, Matthew Winchick did the Great North Run the other week he, he was so he was actually delirious afterwards. He sent me a text that was meant for his girlfriend. I won't reveal the details. <laughs> was was it a delphin? <laughs> he was. Oh, he, well, in his own words, he was dying, uh, and that's the last time he's ever doing that. <laughs> I don't know how you do Wait. it. I, I did three k on a treadmill the other day, and I was gassed. Greg was supposed to do the Great North Run, but he passed on his uh, number to somebody else. <laughs> Impressive. Why did he bail? Well, he claims he had a wedding to go to. It's a good excuse for anything, that isn't it? Because it's like, yeah. can't argue with it. No. <laughs> cool. Show me a certificate. Right. Cool. <laughs> well, it's good to be back with you all. Anyway, I think we're going to have probably have quite a shorter episode because we've just got one book each to talk about. I think, but uh, I'm sure it'll be short and full of excellent information. Let's start with uh, Mr. Stockton, who brilliantly defended Stockton last episode, having had it branded a shithole by another podcast. I'm glad. To. I'm glad that that happened, Alex Wayne, because uh, <laughs> Stockton and Middlesbrough deserve great respect. It was Middlesbrough was uh, named as I believe it was at the top of another list of worst places to live in the country recently. <laughs> um, 
obviously they've never had a Palmer. Um, oh yeah. They've never they've never seen the Transporter Bridge. They've never experienced the glory that is the Riverside Stadium. Uh, you know, fuck they've em. never used a friction match. No, obviously not. Clearly not. Oh well, no, they have. They've, they they've, just never. They've never credit. walked. They've never walked down Europe's widest high street. No, <laughs> that's my personal favourite thing about Stockton. <laughs> I would say it's unnecessarily wide. Why is it that wide? Well, because why not, Clive? You know, they started why building. Not? They started building, and somebody just why? Because there's no shops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's no shops to clutter up. You never bump into anyone on Stockton High Street, you know. That is true, to be fair. <laughs> but it makes it feel my, even more empty. My favourite thing about Stockton High Street, though, is the McDonald's next door to the British Heart Foundation. Oh, <laughs> is that still a thing? It's not, no. It's the only McDonald's oh. in the country ever to shut down. It's, the, so, only... it's the only McDonald's in the country, I think, oh, to ever wow. shut down. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the one in Scunthorpe has also shut down. But the the five other McDonald's in Scunthorpe are still going strong. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Stockton's still going. <laughs> so they saturated McDonald's. a bit too much. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but the one in Scunthorpe town centre is closed. They had they had Scunthorpe down as a six McDonald town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy the guys up top were like, no, we've got this one wrong. Six to five. <laughs> just five. Just the five two. <laughs> Right. right, anyway, Excellent. I'll move on to the book I'm talking to today, uh, about today even. Okay, so the book I'm going to talk about today is um, a vampiric uh, sort of end-of-the-world thriller uh, written by Justin Cronin, it's called The Passage. Uh, had it recommended to me by two different people, uh, one of which is a listener, I believe, Nick Watson. Uh, if he doesn't thank me for that shout-out, I know he's lying about listening, so fuck him. Um... It's basically, I mean, to give you a very basic overview, it's an apocalyptic novel, much in the vein of a lot of the things we've talked about on the podcast. The US government tries to create a immunity-boosting drug to effectively make humans immortal, or at least live for hundreds of years, uh, but ends up creating uh, superhuman uh, vampiric creatures that hunt for human blood. And uh, the novel is all about the survivors of this um, apocalypse trying to survive in the world, and it centres on a girl called Amy, who seems to be the only person in the world immune to it, uh, and has uh, some sort of special superpowers. Uh, To give it away anything more would be a bit of a spoiler. Um, This is is kind of... We're talking Stephen King kind of territory here in terms of page-turner, but uh, with a little bit more uh, panache at times. Uh, I'm really, really enjoying this anyway. Um, It reminds me a lot... Um, of the walk, well, of the Walking Dead in terms of its otherworldliness, in terms of people surviving against the odds against these creatures, but it's not really, as I said, it's not really a zombie novel. It's it's kind of a vampire novel with more zombie tropes. Um, it's a page turner. It's thrilling. It's certainly it's an entire universe built here by Cronin. It's uh, the first of a trilogy, which I probably will get round to reading the other two of. I literally finished this uh, early today. Um, so every now and again, in between my uh, bouts of, you know, high intellectualism, of which uh, we're all well aware, I uh, tend to like. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I tend to like coming to a page turner like this. Um, I put the uh, Song of Ice and Fire books or Game of Thrones books in the same kind of category. Uh, I like intelligent page turns, though. They don't have to be, um, you know, breaking the norm. They don't have to be extending my vocabulary. Um, giving me a new experience prose-wise, but they have to be at least well-written and well-constructed. 
and certainly um, the passage is everything in that respect. The creatures themselves, who are um, known by various terms throughout the novel, um, are very un unlike any sort of vampires you've ever heard of in in literature. Uh, much closer, I would say, to the the ones of I Am Legend, uh, written by Richard Matheson, which was turned into a terrible film. These tend to be kind of trapped souls and a kind of um, all-consuming sort of grisly, you know, hulk of a body. Um, and the only way to repel them is by light, and they can only be hit in a certain sweet spot above the heart. Yet Cronin manages to keep it very well structured. I mean, the book actually spans 90 years, yet it never feels like it's trying to be too epic. Um, and while there is a huge cast of characters, I never once got lost, which is a bonus. Certainly, I felt when I was reading The Stand, which this is compared to, the Stephen King novel, uh, which I believe is considered his best work, but I could never get into. This stands head and shoulders above it. Um, has it but before I go on anymore, has anyone even heard of this book before? No, I no. don't think so. Okay, I know it was, a, it was a New York Times bestseller, and it's, um, as I said, it spawned a trilogy, and I believe the film rights have been bought up pretty recently. Um, it strikes me as something that will either be a really good adaptation or really terrible. Feels like this can't be mediocre <laughs> when it finally comes out. Um, I don't know. How, I don't have too much more to say in it, really, other than say, as I said, it compares to your classic zombie tropes, but with uh, vampire elements and not not the Twilight kind, obviously. Um, I mean, in many ways, it's cliched, you know, having this one person who can save the world effectively, and it being a child, almost like a chosen one star, and None of the characters are particularly um, nuanced in the sense that they break from the actual construction of the narrative, but um, I'm really enjoying it. It's 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 popcorn literature. Not that I would ever recommend eating popcorn while reading a book. You'll get the pages really greasy, but um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's been really really entertaining. I mean, what, what since you haven't read this, Clive, what would be your favourite kind of popcorn literature if you like? What's the best book you've read? That we wouldn't call high literature, but you really enjoyed it anyway, Page Turner. <coughs> I read exclusively high literature. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Uh, does Dick, what, do kids' books count? Yeah, I suppose, well, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Although I don't think they're really, I don't know. How about That's what? a tough question, that is. You have a think about I'll it. I'll have a think, Josh, have you got a year? Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, to be honest, uh, Alex Wayne's review ties quite well with mine because the book that I would say like popcorn literature I've spoken to you before like in person Alex Wayne mm. um, about David Gemmell you have, and yeah, the yeah. like fantasy novels that he writes and I think that they you know like pretty much you start reading the book and when you've read one you've kind of read them all to be honest but you still read them and, you know, they're page turners and everything like that. I think the book that I'm going to review is kind of one step on from David Gemmell. It's not quite as straightforward and predictable and cliched, but sometimes I think that you just want to sit down and just read a book which doesn't actually require much thought and is just, like, entertaining, you know, and... Yeah, that doesn't necessarily make it kind of dumb literature, though. Because it, you know, to be uh, to be to actually be entertaining, it has to be really well constructed. Yeah. It has to be quite vivid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. David Gemmell is definitely good at that, but um, yeah, um, 
I would pick him as just sort of like something that you can read without really giving it much thought. Well, I'm not even sure, like, I mean, with this book, The Passage, I wouldn't say that you don't have to give it any thought. It's more of the case... Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying that that, but I'm saying that with David Gemmell, because, you know, I was thinking when you were talking that actually you were saying, you know, about it still being intelligent, and I was thinking, oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I think that David Gemmell is sort of like just... um, He kind of just, like, crams his books full of just any sort of fantasy thing that he can conceive without it really having any purpose apart from just to be there like mm, I fancy writing in uh, a monster so he writes in a monster and the, like the monster appears and does something and then that's that you know that's the level of David Gemmell which I think is a level below the book that you're talking about well I I, I haven't read any David Gemmell but I, I've been impressed by this but to be honest with you actually um the first couple of chapters of this book, I actually thought, oh no, this feels like, um, you know, it's going to be really too simplistic. But then, it, it, I don't know how, how, how it does it. I, I'm not even sure if he was writing in the same style, but I just really got into it. And it's actually, as I said, it's it's like, I would describe, <laughs> to, to use a really, really poor analogy, I would describe this, this book as a really, really good pepperoni pizza. You know, all it is is cheese, tomato and pepperoni. But it's kind of bold, <laughs> bold and simple flavors, but done really well. You know, there's no nuance to it. Well, there's not a lot of nuance to it, but it's it's just really good. It you know, it's it's hearty. So it's kind of like a, a good Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah, kind of like a, a good intelligent Hollywood blockbuster. You know, yeah. even your best Hollywood blockbusters. You know, something like even like uh, let's talk. I'm just thinking about Predator, but even that is still well constructed in the sense that it's well paced. You know, the characters, while they're not necessarily um, memorable as in terms of being different. They are memorable because they are well constructed. Um, How about Con Air? Yes, <laughs> although there are people who would disagree. I'm I'm a big fan of Con Air. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Con Air. Particularly John Malkovich's performance, Cyrus the Virus. Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's the first no trilogy. This uh, this book, anyway, and the other two are called The Twelve and City of Mirrors. Um, I know for a fact I'm getting one as a present off uh, the person who introduced it to me, Nick. Um, anyway, I'm looking forward to it, yeah. So I've really enjoyed this. It's absolutely massive, by the way. So, though, so if you're not into huge books, this is not for you. It's just under a 1,000 pages. This wow. one, this takes a while. Is that it the is. longest book you've ever read? No, I'm pretty certain that uh, at least one of the Harry Potter books were longer than this. Oh, and, okay. And possibly uh, A Dance with Dragons, the... Game of Thrones book. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not, but, sure um, I'm not sure if I read that one. Right. Because okay. I kind of got a bit bored of Game of Thrones the books. To be honest, not bored, but um, maybe annoyed is more the right word. Or I don't know. I can't think of the. But I'll, I'll tell you my issue, and then you can provide me with the accurate word. Okay. <laughs> Sounds perfect. So the thing that the thing that kind of made me stop reading Game of Thrones is that sort of every chapter there was like five new characters who just seemed to be thrown in to the situation for the sake of it. And then it was sort of like another five characters who could die, but you weren't really bothered about them dying because they just kind of turned up and then that was that. And yeah, I, it was just like, oh yeah, new character. Oh, they're dead now. Oh, another new character. Oh, they're dead now. <laughs> 
I understand what you mean, and certainly that's something that frustrates me, uh, not in literature, but what we talked about earlier, The Walking Dead. The fact that quite often um, you'll have a new character come in for a season and they die, and it's it's like, well, I haven't really had time to get that invested in them. Yeah. Uh, you can't, it's definitely, it can be an overkill, but um, yeah. Anyway, no, I know what you mean. Anyway, I think there's definitely a place for popcorn literature, and um, if you're somebody who can't accept that, you're basically massively pretentious. <laughs> I, I, I don't know I why you're like listening to, to this podcast. Uh, I would like to make a complaint that you haven't provided me with a word. Oh, I don't know. I'm. So you said you were just you were tired of tired of uh, maybe people coming in and dying right straight word. away. Maybe it is. It was frustration. Um, possibly just jaded. I don't know. You yeah. kind of jaded on the idea. You know, you're just worn out. You just didn't need it. You're oversaturated. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say that you were undermining your claim to be a sophisticated intellectual, but I think oh. you might have just redeemed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know, you've got to keep up that claim. Anyway, yeah, that, <laughs> that's all I've got to say on the book. Anyway, I would heartily recommend it to anybody who's just after a kind of a thriller. Like I said, a bit of popcorn literature. Um, it's not going to change your worldview. But I think you probably will really enjoy it, particularly if you like that kind of post-apocalyptic world. And it's not really yeah, a vampire. I, I know I've used the word vampire, but it's not really a vampire novel. Just the creatures have a lot in common with vampires. Okay. No, it sounds cool, and I'm into that kind of thing, so mm. definitely someone I might check out. I'm looking through a list of books I've read, and they're literally, I don't know what would classify as popcorn, which... Well, I'm thinking it and see if you come up with one later. It doesn't have to be right now. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. But while I do that, let's go to Mr. Josh Keithley in Saxby All Saints. Yeah, so um, as I've already touched on, the book I'm reading I think is slightly similar to the book that you've read, uh, Alex Wayne, but it has nothing to do with vampires or post-apocalyptic futures. It is just like a standard fantasy novel. Uh, It is called Half a King. It is written by Joe Abercrombie. It is endorsed by George R. R. Martin, who was grabbed by it and it refused to let him go. <laughs> and and I know from I know from um, like um, Joe Abercrombie himself has I know has said that like having George R. R. Martin provide the caption for his for one of his books was pretty much the highlight of his career as a writer. Uh, I have read some other books by Joe Abercrombie before, and I do think that he's a really good author. I think that it's sort of like if you were going to put like a hierarchy of fantasy writers, there's David Gemmell, who, as I've said, is sort of like quite straightforward, quite simplistic, quite standard, stick to, you know, sort of like um, there's a hero who's maybe got some sort of personal issue that they need to overcome. Something horrendous happens, the hero redeems himself, wins all the glory, and that's that. And that's David Gemmell. And then George R. R. Martin is at the other end of the uh, of the scale, sort of like he'll... So say like when I first read Game of Thrones, and I was reading it, and I was sort of like, oh, well, Ned Stark, he's the good guy in this. Oh, this has happened to Ned Stark, but it's fine. It's fine, uh, you know, Ned Stark will win because he's the good guy. And then it was, oh, Ned Stark's just had his head cut off. <laughs> you know, sort of like that, like, curveball, nobody's safe. 
I suppose more like the real world, really. And then I think that David Gemmell is... Uh, not David Gemmell. Joe Abercrombie is somewhere in the middle. I think that his strength is developing characters and quite diverse characters and, you know, um, well-rounded. Some of them who you really like, some of them who you really hate, you know, and um, gives them quite interesting backstories and things like that. And this book especially was good at doing that. The basic premise of it is that there's a prince of this land who, by mistake sort of thing, becomes the king. Not by mistake, but, you know, he was like third in line in the succession. But through one event or another, um, he becomes the king. He's And then, it, you know, he he's deposed as being the king, basically. And it's sort of like his travels then with the ragtag bunch of comrades who he stumbles across really it's like you were saying about the book that you've read um alex it's definitely a page turner it's a book that i read quite quickly it is also um the last book that i read that i rated as five stars on goodreads so whoa wow what more what more of an and I, i did i must admit that i did read it quite a while ago so there's no higher endorsement than that i would say um I think it's one of those books where if you just wanted something that is intelligent, which is well-written, which is well-constructed, but doesn't require a great deal of intellect being put into it, then this is a book that I would recommend. Um, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, but maybe a little bit more diluted, maybe not so not so intense. And you can satisfactorily attach yourself to a character without then regretting it when they die. So you you would just it sounds like you're saying the characterization isn't quite as good, which I think is probably the biggest strength of uh the Ice and Fire books. Is that fair? Oh yeah, fair but I, yeah, I think so. I think that um I think that that like you say is definitely the strength of those books. I mean, I would say that it also is a, a real strength of Joe Abercrombie, but not to the same level, but then I don't think that that's necessarily an insult to him. Because it's basically, you know, like I say, if you think of it as like a hierarchy, then I would say that Jar Jar R. Martin is at the top of it. So being worse than the best is not especially a bad thing. Oh, yeah. You know, not everyone has to be number one. Well, not that it's, yeah. a, not that it's a form of competition anyway. Some people no. might disagree, but yeah, and I, I hear what oh, you're yeah, saying. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, you know, I think it is a good book. I think that... Um, you know, like I recommended to you, David Gemmell, before, I think that maybe I would say, you know, that's like, give that a miss. Although I enjoy it very much, it's just sort of like, well, okay, so this is the hero. I know that he's going to win. And, you know, sort of like in David Gemmell books, it's like, there's usually, you know, like I said about a ragtag collective of people, there's usually about five in a collective of David Gemmell, and you can predict that that one's going to die, that one's going to die, that one's going to redeem himself and then die, that <laughs> one's going to survive, that one's going to end up being the king, and you can predict pretty much exactly what's going to happen to every single character. And in Joe Abercrombie, I think that it's like in between, like I've said a few times, um, you know, so it's sort of like if you, if you wanted something that wasn't too intense but wasn't too predictable, then go for Joe Abercrombie. 
I like she comment on um, that one's going to redeem himself. Basically, <laughs> that guy's Boromir. Um, yeah. Basically, yeah, I mean, there's certainly tropes to this kind of literature that kind of turn up again and again. And to be honest with you, they are good tropes. That's why they keep turning up. Everyone mm. loves a good redemptive story. Everyone loves the rogue. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like we were saying before, it doesn't have to be kind of high literature. Not everything has to reinvent the wheel. Um, yeah, this sounds pretty interesting anyway. Great name for yeah, an author as yeah. well. Yeah, great name for an author. He seems like a really cool guy as well. Cool. That sounds really good. Sounds interesting, definitely. I've had a look through some uh, my list of things that I've read or that I remember reading on Goodreads. Uh, the pulpiest ones I could come up with are Bleachers by John Grisham, which I believe you lent me, Josh. Oh, yeah, that's a good book. Many, many years ago. That was, I really yeah. enjoyed that. I think that was yeah. probably about 10 years ago I read that, probably. Mm. Yeah, that was really good. And the other one is, more recently, The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry, which is quite a recent book. I don't know whether it would classify as pulp. I don't know. It was in the charts, and it was... Uh, yeah, I thought I really enjoyed that book, and it was not high literature by any means. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was great. But I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know whether that would classify as pulp fiction or not. But yeah, I, have, I honestly haven't read... I used to read them... I remember reading them like when I was 10 and 11 going to my dad's reading pulpy stuff yeah, no, no probably like more 14, 15 <coughs> I used to read a lot of Ludlum but I don't remember mm. what oh, was good yeah. and what wasn't well pro- pro- probably none of Ludlum but uh... <laughs> <laughs> boom <laughs> actually no I'm, I'm not even thinking of Ludlum who am I thinking of I'm thinking of Dan Brown yeah uh, Ludlum's, have, have Ludlum's you, yeah. the master man yeah have you ever heard that have you seen that um, Stuart Lee routine on Dan Brown uh, yes the man with the brown hat sat down on the mat. (laughs) It literally, honestly, it's piss poor. That's a prime example of how you don't do pulp or popcorn fiction. You know, there are ways to do it. And like I said, Justin Crony does it well. Sounds like this guy, is it Joe Abercrombie? Did you say? That is his name. Yeah. Sounds like he does it well. Obviously George R.R. Martin does it well. Dan Brown, you know, what a tosser. Uh, he's no. made more money than all of them probably but uh, perhaps save for Martin but that's what about what's, um, what's the name the Fifty Shades of Grey Bird E.L. James is it I've never I can't say I've yeah. ever read any of those books I've heard that they are pretty poorly written but I oh yeah but however I'm of the opinion that I never judge anything fully until I've read it which I'm never going to do so I'm never going to judge okay. so it's fine it's too far out of your realm of interest yeah, it's just it's, it's never going to cross my radar unless someone literally paid me to read it. I'm not going to read it. Yeah, same. <laughs> but I've heard it's bad. Yeah. In terms of the writing, from reliable you know, sources. You know, you know who to ask from a stick around point of view. James Cable. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's read it, hasn't he? <laughs> he's never on books though, is he? He read, read it, he read it in France while drinking red wine. I can remember we want, he was like <laughs> sat there reading it, drinking his wine. I think me and Paul were like watching videos of, I don't know, Vic and Bob, I think, and Harry Enfield on YouTube. This is while we were in France. And um, Cable just put the book down and like stared at us and sat up really straight and went, Jesus, I need to go, <laughs> I need to go for a walk. And then he disappeared for about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh dear. It's obviously had a uh, effect on him. Yeah, he went for a tug. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> right on that note, 
And on that note, go, yeah. Um, Clive, what have you got for us? I've got a book that won't make you want to go for a tug. Well, we'll um, see about that. We'll see about that. <laughs> It'd be quite weird if it did. Um, I'm going to talk about Phoenix by SF... I believe it's pronounced Said. Could be said. Pretty sure it's Said. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm probably right. <laughs> um, yeah, who also wrote a book I reviewed earlier in the year, uh, Varjak Poor which was one of my favourite children's books. This is also a children's book. This one is not about cats. It's a sci-fi book. Um, and it's much bigger than... Uh, quite thick. It's like 490 pages, so quite big for a, a children's book. When I say children, it's probably like, you know, teen fiction, I suppose. It would be classed as, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, essentially it's about Lucky, uh, this boy who has sort of... He, he keeps waking up and having, like, burnt the stuff around him. Um, so he's clearly got some sort of power in him, which is strange, and he doesn't really know what it is. Um, he's on the run, essentially, trying to find his dad and the truth about who he is, basically. And that's kind of what the uh, whole book entails, more or less. Um, it tackles loads of themes, like, such as war, racism, prejudice, and all that good stuff. He finds himself essentially the the books is kind of set in it's it, it's all in space obviously um, and the the humans are at war with uh, an alien race called the Axes A double X A and um, he finds himself on an Axis spaceship um, pretty early on which he then sort of um, finds out the the difference of what the Axes are actually like and how they're portrayed in the media on his uh, home human planet. So, which is quite interesting and kind of, I think Lynx has a lot of uh, real world <laughs> connotations of when you actually speak to the people from the places that are often portrayed in the news, they're often not like what you think they're going to be like because all news is essentially propaganda. And yeah, it covers a lot of those themes, which is fantastic. Doubly fantastic that it's in a children's book, I thought. I thought it was really good and brings up some really good points for discussion. Um, it has a lot of influence from Eastern philosophy. Like, um, it's quite a lot all about like everything being interlinked. It's quite a spiritual book, I would say. And um, there's a lot of like he he hears kind of the stars singing, and he's trying to find out why this is, and that kind of thing when he when he dreams at night, and he's trying to find out how everything, how all the stars are interlinked. And there's these people called star talkers who are the uh, who are like actually linked sort of telepathically to certain stars in the universe, and Ideas like that I found really cool. The illustrations are a point that I definitely have to mention. Um, Varjak Paul was illustrated by Dave McKean. This one is also illustrated by Dave McKean. Um, the illustrations are like completely different to Varjak Paul, but equally brilliant. Varjak Paul, I think, is a brilliant book in its own right, but is helped massively by really, really good illustrations, which kind of give it a, a bit of a more of an edgy feel, I think. Like, the, the illustration's really cool. This one has a more... It's very spacey, kind of weird... Like, there's some pictures... I'm just looking at them now. It's just, like, quite a lot of pages are just black, and then the illustration's kind of in white, and it's all this kind of weird, starry, kind of almost biological-looking mass where you can't really tell what's going on. But it really fits in with the theme of certain things happening in the in the book. Like, there's certain times where he's kind of has like this oh, I've forgotten what it's called but it has this sort of disc that can steer a ship but the only way you can steer the ship is you have to physically you, you kind of hold the disc and you spiritually go into this place and you have to find a link of where you're trying to get to and when it explains that what's happening it's quite um, 
immer- it's really immersively written and you feel like you're going through it and then the um, illustrations I think really really help that so yeah absolute big props to Dave McKean again who I think is a he does graphic novels I think normally illustrates graphic novels so I'm pleased that he got involved with this book as well so yeah it's just a it's a beautiful beautiful book in terms of to look at and I, I think it's a really really good book as well I don't know if it's I don't know it's it's tough to decide between this and Varjak Poor as my favourite which is saying a lot because I loved Varjak Poor <laughs> I'd probably give Varjak Poor the edge but I think it's because I'm biased because I love cats and any book about <laughs> cats is going to have an edge but <laughs> this and, and Varjak Poor is probably more classically children's fiction because of the fact it has animals in it that speak and things like that um, whereas this is more sci-fi which is less a topic less covered i'd say in uh kids fiction certainly in this way and um, it has there's quite a lot of links as well with like star force and star force <laughs> star wars uh, it was things like not it doesn't explicitly say things like using the force but there's certainly that kind of thing in it and there's a lot of him having this power which is potentially self-destructive and very destructive to everyone around him but he's trying to control it and use it for good um, and i think there's certain things that's a theme in Star Wars as well. So I would imagine that SF Said was inspired quite a lot by Star Wars. <laughs> but it, it, um, equally, it's also very different. So yeah, I would really, really recommend this book. It was kind of recommended to me just by... I got told I was teaching Varjak Poor last year when I was a student. And then the guy who told me that I was teaching it, who's like the literacy expert dude in a few schools and um, he said that this was his favorite book by the guy and so i picked it up straight away and yeah i really loved it i thought it was really really great and one of those books again that's come completely out of the blue like i hadn't heard of it um and read it and i actually read it over quite a long time just because i've even though it's 490 pages long it's not that long because obviously a lot of the pages are pictures but it took me a long time just because i've got so little time at the minute with a uh, Teaching is a massive time suck, but <laughs> which is why I've only read one book. But yeah, I, I loved it. Really, really good book. So I'd highly recommend it. If you're more, if if sci-fi appeals to you more than the cat thing, then maybe try this one first. If vice versa, try the other one. I think they're both equally brilliant and both really different. So they really show uh, that SFI is really. I think he's a really talented children's author, and I he, hope he keeps writing. And I think he could one day be a kind of. You know, a Roald Dahl character where he's, yeah. Wow. He's, and I hope that happens because I think his books are brilliant. Yeah. And I think he, he deserves recognition. Big claims. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should note on you saying about the one book, the reason I've only read one book since the last one is because the book I was reading was 970 odd Yeah. That's, well. an, that's a solid <laughs> excuse. <laughs> yeah. No, this sounds really interesting. And I, I certainly, um, while, you know, I was listening intently to your view anyway, the minute you compared him to Roald Dahl, that, um, well, it's, it's very different. I'm just kind of saying, you know, they're both children's art. I would say Roald Dahl's maybe aimed slightly younger. Yeah. But, um, and I think what SF Said does really well, particularly in this book, is he has, like, the, the story and everything is actually quite complex, but it, he brings it across quite simply um, in the way it's written. And But it's not written in a, I don't know, I don't think the simple language hurts it in any way at all. I don't think the book would be any better if it was aimed at adults, if you know what I mean. I think it's perfect as it is. Sure. Cool. Um, Josh Keefley, have you read any of uh, Saeed's books? I haven't, but after Clive's sterling recommendation of uh, Vajak Paul, I did buy it and I'm eagerly, <laughs> I've seen it on the shelf. Yeah, eagerly anticipating reading it. Mm. Excellent. I'm, hope, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it because it's great. 
I think yeah. Project Pori is probably more accessible than this. Yeah, I think though as well that the reason why I, because I think that when I went into the because I got it from the bookshop and um, there was quite a few uh, Said books there and I mean Project Pori was the one I was looking for anyway because that was the one that you'd read but what appealed to me about it was that the cat looked so much like my cat so <laughs> yeah he does <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading it mm. I um for my recent birthday I've got a couple of new books on my shelf uh, which adds to a growing list of books that I'm yet to read that I own uh, but I'm quite excited about I got um I finally got a Jonathan Franzen book called Purity which sounds really really good has anyone read any okay. Jonathan Franzen before I've heard of him for years and I don't no I don't think I've I don't know him. if I've even heard of him no Okay, and I've also Michael Johnson's got me a typically uh, intellectual edition to my shelf. He's got me um, Between the World and Me, uh, which is by I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but by uh, Tarnishi Coates or Coates. Uh, he's a okay. he's currently the writer of the Black Panther um, uh, Marvel comic. Um, he's very he's pretty much the most prominent African American author at the moment, and. Um, it looks fascinating, but anyone else bought anything recently? Is, that is re- he related to Sebastian Quartes, the outstanding former Sunderland defender? <laughs> not that I'm aware <laughs> of, and certainly I'd be quite surprised. Um, who knows? I'm not even actually sure if it's Coates or Quartes. Certainly, if that was my name, I would pronounce it Quartes. Yeah. Then again, well, if I, then again, if I was Sorry. Clive, my name would be uh, pronounced, <laughs> yeah. pronounced different as well. For scare, well, yeah, I don't have a. <laughs> I, I was saying to someone about, so like someone I work with, about my friend Clive, and bearing in mind that he's familiar with my friend Cable, uh, etc., he says, Clive, is that his real name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people think I'm like 50 when people. Uh, Beck says whenever she mentions her boyfriend's called Clive, they always think he's really old. But he's not. So. Then again, your second name, Josh, I would. If I'd not been told, I would have said it was Keeley. I wouldn't yeah. have a clue. You yeah. must get that all the time. Common, common error. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many times I get Fischer. Yeah, well, I don't really get that with my name. I'm just imagining. Um... <laughs> yeah, yours is quite straight, straightforward. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just imagining Josh in a hospital getting caught, Mr. <laughs> Key, Mr. Keeley. And like, yes. No, you just ignore it and forget it. <laughs> it feels like wait hours <laughs> and then die. <laughs> that would be horrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> Anyone ever watched the sitcom Keeping Up with Appearances? It yeah, was, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's that kind of situation. It's yeah, Mrs. Bucket, but Mrs. Bouquet. It feels like you've taken a post pronunciation of Keeley. Apart from there's a town in West Yorkshire called Keeley. Yeah, well, they did the same thing, so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Cool. Maybe they did. Um, in terms of books we've just bought, um, I've bought a little boring teaching book. Well, it'll be boring yeah, to you guys. Yeah, However, I'm I've... afraid that every book I've bought recently is a psychology book. Although, <laughs> interlinking mine and yours purchases, Clive's, I have bought a book called All a Teacher Needs to Know About Psychology or something along those lines. Okay. So I'll be giving you a pop quiz in the next podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. You might need to give me the book first. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is what this is stuff you should already know. Apparently. Oh right, okay. I'm not, <laughs> not sure I succeed in that, but we'll see. <laughs> but I'm currently reading uh, an excellent book by I don't know whether you'll have heard of it, Fernando Pessoa, uh, the Book of Disquiet, which is great. 
Yeah. I'm reading a book called The Plowman, and I was really hoping that I would finish it before this podcast because I really want to review it. Because, Alex Wayne, I think that you will really enjoy it. Okay, I might have to look this up afterwards. Don't don't yeah. tell me about anything about I, it yet. I, I, it's written by, I think the author's name is Kim Zupan. It's definitely Kim. I'm pretty sure his name is Kim Zupan. And it's called The Plowman, and it is really, really good. It does look good. I've seen it in the flesh yeah. at Josh's. Yeah. And I read the blurb. And it Excellent. aroused me. <laughs> so, yeah. I'd also recommend, yeah. I'll, I'll probably review the one I'm reading at the minute on the next pod, so... I'm, in, I'm th- certainly enjoying it at the minute. Yeah. Cool. Right. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go. Cool. Right, well, well. Before you go, um, for some reason there's a fault in my computer and on my phone where um, the time just isn't appearing. Uh, could you help? Could somebody help me out with that? Uh, it is two minutes past eight. <laughs> <laughs> You've spoiled you sure? my shit. You sure? You about sure? That? Um, I, don't, I don't think it sure, is. Sure, Josh. Let me just check my watch. Hang on, it's pluck time! There we go. Uh. <laughs> at StickerAmcast on Twitter. StickerAmpodcast.gmail.com Emails www.stickerampodcast.com On the websites. Uh, Facebook.com slash StickerAmpodcast. Instagram.com slash StickerAmpodcast. I'm just going to upload a picture of a book I reviewed and a beer and a microphone. If that is your kind of thing, get on it. Um... <laughs> Review, please review the pod five, five stars. Uh, also, give us yeah, just send us emails. I'll give you the email address and um, five star review. Subscribe if you want to subscribe by email because you don't have an app. Get on the website. There's an option to do that. I know a few people who do that, so that's cool. Uh, I think that's it. I think that might be the quickest I've done plug time. Yeah, that was really professional. I don't know where that came from. I haven't written anything um, down. <laughs> um, quick update: uh, Michael Johnson has agreed to return to stick around. Oh, excellent. Finally negotiated success, the plastic or? bag tax. Yep. Oh, he's negotiated it, right. Um, down to 10p? Or? No, it's down to a penny now, which he's prepared to pay. Uh, politics <laughs> is all about compromise. And, uh, <laughs> the plastic bag tax has gone down. He'll oh, be I'm back. happy for him. He'll be back for the next music podcast uh, with his lubricious... Uh, is that the right word? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's four podcasts in a row now. <laughs> lubricious take <laughs> on the art. Um, <laughs> Will we ever get to have a podcast in the future where that's not mentioned? No, uh, in fact, that is now a standard part of this. In fact, in fact, on the next podcast, I might try and sneak it in. Um, <laughs> completely we should try and make it more sneaky from now on. Yeah. yeah, from now on we will do. That can be our thing. Cool. Right. Excellent. Well, it's been uh, it's been great to have you all. I think this might be our shortest podcast yet, but short and sweet, so. hopefully. Yeah, short and sweet. Uh, great to have you, Josh. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll Thank see you, you next time me. for more book knowledge expertise. I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. Alex, always a pleasure. Yep, same to you, Clive. Looking forward to talking about games next, I believe. Probably. Uh, yes, I think that's right, yeah. Cool. Splendid. Right. Stick around. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Stick around. Your luggage. Consider that a divorce. Your <laughs> So graved up by a preacher Just to see what it would make So hold high, I think you're easy Don't you forget you come from nothing That wind is 
edit that bit out, Clive. One second. I'm going to keep this in. Oh. I hate Alex Wayne. Sorry, something just... Uh, Alex Wayne's just gone for a turd. <laughs> Screwdriver. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> one minute, one minute, one minute. Um... Sorry. What are you doing? Have you lost your notes? Hang on a minute. Um... Some of his blueies have just popped up. <laughs> Shit, this was my nose. He's trying to close them all down. <laughs> right. No, right, I'll start that bit again in one second. <laughs>